If you tend to think of the rapture as some distant event far in the future, remember it gets closer with each passing day. Does that affect how you live? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at Christ's return for his church and how this coming rescue ought to impact your life here and now. To introduce the conclusion of his message, The Rapture of the Redeemed, here's David. And thank you for joining us. This is Turning Point, and it's my privilege to be with you for the final broadcast of this week as we enter into a brand new month. Hard to believe that we're in April, but here we go. Today we're going to finish up what we started yesterday as we teach the last part of First Thessalonians four thirteen to 18. And uh, we'll get into that in just a moment, but since this is a new month, Here's a new resource for you to think about. It's called Bible Prophecy by the Numbers. Uh, Many numbers are found throughout God's Word, including ones specifically associated with Bible prophecy. So we have put this together in a a very uh, interesting little book called Bible Prophecy by the Numbers. We'd like to send it to you as our way of saying thank you for your resource help during the month of April. When you send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of April, be sure and ask for your copy of Bible Prophecy by the Numbers. Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, one of the key central passages on the rapture of the church. We'll finish our discussion of that today. The rapture trumpet will call all Christians to rise from the earth and meet the Lord in the air, and then they will go to heaven. The last trumpet for the church is like the last trumpet used in the Roman army. Soldiers were awakened in the morning by the first trumpet, which served as their alarm clock. The second trumpet assembled them for instructions for the day. At the third and last trumpet, they marched off to their assignments. So receiving salvation is like hearing the first trumpet, Accepting God's call to serve him is the second trumpet, and when the third trumpet sounds, you're going to march home to heaven to be with the Lord. So the first sound of the rapture, the shout of Christ, is a call for believers to rise from the grave. The voice of the archangel is a sound of protection and safe passage, and the blast that believers hear will be his. Just as he stood outside the tomb of Lazarus, he will command all believers whose bodies are in the grave to come forth. So the Bible tells us that there is going to be a marvelous moment in the future. All the evidence clearly shows that the rapture of the saints will be a cosmic spectacle like nothing everyone on this earth has ever seen. I like to imagine what it will be like five minutes after the rapture on this earth. A lot of people will be saying, I should have listened. I should have been sensitive to what the preacher said. I should have read my Bible more carefully because the church will be caught up and it will be evident that Almighty God keeps his promises. And then I want to break down what's going to happen in that moment step by step, the sequential aspect of the rapture. Here's what the Bible says. Number one, the first thing that's going to happen is Jesus will come out of the heavens and descend into the atmosphere above the earth. And Paul describes this as the Lord himself descending from heaven. And then when that happens, the Lord Jesus Christ himself will be prepared to receive us. Here's what the scripture says about him, however. Listen to these words. The scripture says that God will bring with Jesus those who sleep in Jesus. Now, what does that mean? 
Let me pause for a moment and see if everybody understands what happens when a person dies. I have all kinds of people come to me. You say he went to heaven. I just saw him in the casket. He's not in heaven. He's here. Well, did you know the word death is a word that means to be separated? When somebody dies, their soul and spirit is separated from their body. So when a Christian dies, what happens is their soul and spirit, the real them, goes to be with Jesus, and we put the house they lived in in the grave. So what happens then is when Jesus comes back in the rapture, the Bible says when he comes back, he brings with him the souls of those Christians who are already died. Why does he do that? Well, hang on, because after the return comes the resurrection. When Christ descends from heaven, he will begin by summoning to himself those who are asleep. That's the word that Paul uses to describe death. In New Testament language, if a Christian dies, it's like going to sleep. When you go to a hotel and you stay in a hotel, you check in, you go in, you get in your room, you sleep, and you intend to get up in the morning. And when you are a Christian and you die, your body goes in the grave, it's asleep waiting for the resurrection. You don't die like a dog and disappear like some people say. No, you die as a Christian. Your spirit and your soul goes to be with the Lord and your body goes into the grave. So as soon as Jesus comes back, the next thing that happens is the bodies of those who have died are going to be resurrected. They're going to come out of the grave and they're going to go up to meet the Lord and be reunited with their soul and spirit that went to heaven when they died. That's what the scripture says. And listen to me now. These bodies, when they are resurrected, are going to be made new. You're going to get a makeover, sister. <laughs> you may not be able to afford one now, but one day you're going to get one. <laughs> and this makeover, I mean, it's going to be unbelievable. You know what you're going to be like? You're going to be just like the body of Jesus when he came out of the grave. Do you remember what that was like? He could eat and drink. I know a lot of people that are really relieved to know that when you get to heaven, you're going to be able to eat. I've, I've actually had people say, if I can't eat when I go to heaven, I want to, I want to think this over. No, no. The, when Jesus came out of his grave, he ate. There was no evidence that he gained weight. He just ate. And he was able to move in places and in ways that we cannot move. Remember one time the disciples were in a room and the doors were closed. And all of a sudden Jesus in his resurrected body was in their midst. He didn't come through the door. He just was there. It gives you the impression that you might be able to think about being someplace. And you will be there immediately in your body. All I know is the Bible says when the resurrection happens. Those who have died and have gone into their grave will be resurrected from the dead. Their rejuvenated bodies will go up into the heaven and God brings with him the souls and spirits of those who have gone and they're reunited with their bodies. Not only that, though, there's a redemption. So you are thinking, well, if the people that come out of the grave, if they get a makeover, what about us who are on this earth when Jesus comes back? Do we have to go to heaven in our sorry old bodies? No. The Bible says that those who are alive and remain will also be taken up and we will be changed. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51. We shall not all sleep. In other words, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed. Did you hear that? We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In his letter to the Romans, Paul speaks of this change that will take place as the redemption 
of our body. And in his letter to the Philippians, he described it this way. God is going to transform our lowly body so that it is conformed to his glorious body. In other words, we're going to get body number two, and it's going to be a body just like the risen body of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's review what's happened so far. Jesus has come back. Those who have died in Christ have been risen from the dead, and they've caught up with the Lord in the skies, and their bodies and souls are united. And then those who are alive and remain, if Jesus should come tonight, all of us who are Christians here in this room, we would be raptured up to be with the Lord. And God is going to do that. And somebody has described it like this. God is going to hover over this universe and all who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, those who have been resurrected and those who have never died are going to be snatched up like particles of iron drawn upward by a gigantic magnet pulled right out of the population, suctioned off the planet. It's going to happen instantly, no time to get ready, no prelude, no preliminaries, no two-minute warning. Some people I've heard say, I don't want to accept Jesus Christ I'm going to wait until the rapture, and when I see the rest going up, I'll make my decision and get caught up with them. You ain't going to have time to do that. There's no three-minute warning. And remember, this happens in the twinkling of an eye. So don't wait till the last minute. You don't have a second chance. Don't wait till the last minute. And then the Bible says what's going to happen in heaven is there's going to be a reunion. It says in verse 17, Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now, here is this series of reunions. We've talked about a couple of them already. First, the souls of believers descend with Christ and are reunited with their bodies. And then, after that, there's a reunion of those who have died and those who are still living. Resurrected believers will meet living believers, and it will be a reunion of saints from the church age uniting finally as the one universal church. All who have died already, all who are still living, will have a reunion in the air. And then all of these groups together will experience the joy of reunion with their Lord. They meet him first at their conversion, and now they meet him face to face. So what that means is that my mom and dad, who have been dead now for almost a decade, they're not going to get to heaven before I do. They're going to get caught up to be with the Lord, and together we'll be ushered into heaven. They're actually with the Lord now, but they haven't been ushered into heaven. How many of you know it's a whole lot more fun to see something great when you get to do it with your friends? One day, when the Lord comes back, we're going to be caught up into the heavens those who've gone before us, the ones we love, our parents, grandparents, some of our contemporaries, we're going to meet them in the air, and then together we're going to go and see the beauties of heaven for the first time. Now, all of this is very important as it talks about the future, but I want you to think about it as it speaks to us in the present, because the rapture is a strengthening event. How does our certainty of the coming of Christ affect how we live now? Let me just suggest two or three words. First of all, it gives us consolation. Paul explicitly communicated the truth of the rapture to the Thessalonians so that they would not worry about what happened to their loved ones. 
You see, what had happened is Paul had gone to this church and he had taught them about the fact that there's going to be a time when the Lord comes back. And then some things happened and Paul and Silas had to leave Thessalonica in a hurry and they didn't get to finish their teaching. So he left and the Thessalonians were sitting there thinking, yeah, that's great for us. But what about our parents? What happens to them? And so that's why Paul writes, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are asleep, because God has a plan for them too. And he's telling these grieving Thessalonians that death is not final and that life is still there after people are put into the grave. The certainty of the rapture is a great comfort to those who have loved ones who have died. And I have that unprecedented opportunity as a pastor on a routine basis to stand with families who have lost loved ones and remind them of this truth. At our church, we had one of those things happen that you just dread to think of. A young boy who was in the senior class of our high school began having headaches, and long story, he had inoperable tumor in his brain, and he died during the midst of his senior year. And we had to try to help the seniors in our high school deal with that. That's not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to take place in such a tragedy. And it made such an impact on our church. But I remember standing at that young man's funeral and telling the people, he is not lost. We know where he is. He is with the Lord. He is not here presently with us in his physical being. He has gone to be with the Lord. And one day, all of you who know Jesus Christ are going to see him again. You'll be reunited with him. And it will be someone that you know. People say, are we going to know each other in heaven? Absolutely, we are going to know each other in heaven. And he will be known in heaven. How would you like to be a preacher who didn't believe that Jesus took people to heaven and have to stand in front of an audience and say something encouraging in a situation like that. I am so glad that I know what the Bible teaches about the future. And I can encourage, and the Bible says when you do that, you're dealing with people who sorrow not as those who have no hope. When I was a student at Dallas Seminary years ago, I kind of worked my way through seminary by being a chaplain at the Baylor University Hospital. And one of the things that I had to do is respond to emergencies and things that happened. And oftentimes when there was a death, I would be called to come to the family room. I carried a beeper around and it was like I never wanted it to go off because I knew when it did I would be on duty. And I worked there for two years and I can tell you this is very interesting. I got to the place where I could almost tell you before I was finished in the room without ever saying a word, I could tell you, are those people Christians or are they not? People who are not Christians have a sense of despair and hopelessness and there's nothing left. I was in the room several times when people would get down on the floor and beat their heads against the floor because of the loss of someone in their family. And then I would walk into the room where someone who was a Christian had died and the family was Christian. Was there sorrow? Yes. Were there tears? Yes. But there was also this sense that they were not sorrowing as those who had no hope. So the resurrection and the rapture and the return of Christ is a wonderful truth. So that's why Paul says at the end of all of that, he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. I cannot tell you how many times I have been blessed and privileged to comfort people with the words of this passage that we're talking about today. Not only is there an opportunity for there to be consolation, but the Bible also teaches us that we should have a sense of expectation. If the Lord Jesus could come at any moment, we should be prepared. You know? 
I've been at home sometimes when Donna's been away on a trip and I'm running the show. And someone rings our doorbell. You cannot imagine how fast I clean things up between the doorbell ringing and getting to the door. But we won't have the opportunity to do that when the Lord comes back. When he comes back, we go immediately. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great English pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, believed as I do that the Lord could come back at any time. And he repeatedly urged his people to cultivate an attitude of continual expectancy. Listen to this man preach. Oh, beloved, let us try every morning to get up as if that were the morning in which Christ would come. And when we go to bed at night, may we lie down with this thought, perhaps I shall be awakened by the ringing out of the silver trumpets, heralding his coming. Before the sun arises, I may be startled from my dreams by the greatest of all cries. The Lord has come. The Lord has come. What a check. What an incentive. What a bridle. What a spur. Such thoughts as these should be to us. Take this for the guide of your life. Act as if Jesus would come in the act in which you are engaged. And if you are engaged in an act in which you would not like to be caught by the Lord Jesus Christ, then let it not be your act. When I grew up, men and women, I grew up in a very conservative home. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And we were not allowed to do a lot of things, among which was go to the movies. But I wanted to go to the movies. And I almost went many times, but just as I would get ready to go, I would think, as sure as I go to this movie, Jesus is going to come back right in the middle of the movie, and I'm going to be in trouble. And we laugh about that. But isn't it true? We should live our lives in such a way that we will never be embarrassed if the Lord comes back. Live with expectation. And then we should be consecrated as Christians. When I think the fact that the Lord Jesus could come back at any time, it puts a sense of urgency in my soul. Why do I do what I do? Most men my age have quit a long time ago. And I continue to do what I do through radio and television and events because... As I mentioned to you earlier, my goal in life is not only to go to heaven, but to take as many people with me as I can. I want you to go to heaven. If one more sermon or one more radio broadcast or one more television program gets one more person in heaven, it's worth every effort that we put forward. And I think that's the way all of us should feel. If we do believe that Jesus could come back at any time, we shouldn't be passive. People say, why do you keep working at this stage of your life? And I tell them, when I went through cancer 20 years ago and God saved my life, I realized he didn't give me my life back to go sit on a beach. He gave me my life back to serve him. For as long as I can do that, that's what I plan to do. And I believe eternity is at stake for many people today. I remember reading about a man named Robert Murray McShane. He was a highly influential pastor and a poet who lived in the 19th century. He died shortly before his 30th birthday, and a lot of people thought that it was a waste for such a man to have lived so few years. Yet in those brief 30 years, he accomplished much more than most people do if they live a full lifetime. He wrote several books. He conducted highly successful campaigns. He set up a missionary program to reach the Jewish people in Israel. And I am told that McShane wore a wristwatch on which was engraved these words, the night cometh. Every time he looked at the time, he was reminded that time didn't go on forever, 
that there would be a day when the world as we know it now would no longer be functioning. Every time he checked his watch, he was reminded that this was the time to serve the Lord. You know, in our churches, as we talked about earlier, we seem to have fallen on a time of apathy where people are just grateful to go to church, don't ask them to do anything, don't get out of their comfort zone, don't ask them to sacrifice or move past what they normally do. They just come to church and then they go home. And I have to tell you, if we really believe that Jesus Christ could come back at any time, we could not possibly live that way. So if you live that way, it's because you don't really believe that. I believe it. I believe Jesus Christ is coming back. He's coming back very soon. And that's why the fourth word is the word examination. Suppose that the Lord Jesus chose this very moment to come back to this earth. Would you be ready? Jesus said that his coming is quick. When the moment strikes, there will be no time for you to get ready for heaven. So the question you must ask is, have I committed myself to Jesus Christ and submitted myself to him as my Lord and Savior? And that brings me full circle to the end of my message, back to where it began. And Dr. LaHaye's blockbuster series called Left Behind. That's not a comforting title. It wasn't meant to be a comforting title. In fact, it expresses the ultimate tragedy. The series tells the story of unbelievers who had been left behind after the church was raptured to heaven. And Dr. LaHaye's intent was to show the world the seriousness of failing to be ready when the Lord returns. So I speak to you and I urge you not to be among those who are left behind when Jesus comes. Make today the day of your salvation. Today is your opportunity to be sure you are ready if the rapture should come today. And it could happen at any moment. Absolutely. That's the clarion call from the New Testament, the gospel call. Get ready to meet your Lord. One day he's coming. He's coming soon. Uh, I've always taught that the rapture is so important. It's signless. It's eminent. It could happen at any moment. Nothing needs to take place before the rapture. And uh, there are many things that are happening that make us, well, we believe that it could be soon. And uh, so you want to be ready. On Monday, we're going to talk about um, the ultimate makeover. This is a fun message about what God's going to do to change us as we go to heaven. And the Bible tells us we're going to have new bodies Uh, All of our pains and issues will be gone. We'll have a new body like unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ after he was resurrected from the grave. I've called the message, The Ultimate Extreme Makeover. You don't want to miss Monday and Tuesday of next week. Then Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to talk about what's up with heaven. And Friday, we'll talk about the pretenders. During this three-month series of 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse, We are also making available the three study guides that carry you through all of these messages. Today's message, The Rapture of the Redeemed, is uh, it's lesson number 12, but it's the first lesson in volume two of the study guide series. So if you'd like to have the outlines and notes and uh, illustrations and all that go into these messages in printed form, these study guides are about 140 pages They are filled with just so much valuable information. When you get all three of them, you will have all the study material for this three-month series. Once again, 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse and uh, 
This is volume two that we began today with the rapture of the redeemed. I hope you have a great weekend. It's time to get back to church. If you haven't done it already, make sure you're actively involved. I tell everybody at Shadow Mountain, three things will help you be faithful and good as a Christian. Go to church every week, get in a small group, and find some way to serve the Lord Jesus. And when you do those three things, life gets better for you spiritually. I want to encourage you to do it. And make sure you look for us on television. We'll be there in your community on a station that will reach your home. Turning Point on television is now blanketing uh, America and other parts of the world. So if you look for us, you'll find us. If it's during your church time, don't uh, stay home and watch us. Go to church and record us. Watch us later. And we'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you share with us how Turning Point is helping you in your daily walk? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Bible Prophecy by the Numbers. David's new resource that reveals the meanings of numbers in Scripture. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series Signs right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. wish you had a better grasp of Bible prophecy? Then you'll love Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, Bible Prophecy by the Numbers. Grow in your understanding of end times events and discover what the numbers and prophecy mean. This fascinating book is yours with a gift of any amount this month and give $70 or more to receive this book plus two other answer books that will help address your most pressing questions about end times and Bible prophecy. Find out more at davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. Dr. Albert Schweitzer was one of the 20th century's most gifted men. With doctorates in medicine and theology, he was also a classically trained organist of great renown. But he is best known for the years he spent as a medical missionary in Africa. Dr. Schweitzer said once in a lecture, 
The only ones among you who will be really happy are those who will have sought and found how to serve. That immediately brings to mind the words of another great medical and theological missionary, Jesus of Nazareth, who said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's way to serve others on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.